From an outside perspective, restaurants are the perfect getaway. Great food, inviting atmosphere, comforting environment. It's an all-around fantastic time for friends and family alike. Though it can be beautiful and enriching from the inside perspective as a guest, one doesn't see the hardships and stressors of creating a wonderful experience. Every restaurateur goes through struggles and challenges that can make or break them. This podcast aims to explore that. Pulling back the curtain and understanding what it's truly like to run these establishments as told by those who do it. I'm Justin Warner and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, that's a good question. So my name's Michael and right now I own and operate Ghost Chicken, which is a fried chicken uh, sandwich restaurant um, as well as other fried chicken items. Been working in the industry my whole my whole life, and you know we we saw it fit to take a crack at the fried chicken QSR game after many opportunities that came that came for us. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. Talk to me about Ghost Chicken. I mean, right off the bat, I think the first question is, where'd you get that name? Uh, so Ghost Chicken is kind of like it's a two phase name. So. The first part is Ghost is like an homage to kind of where we came from. So we started out virtually operating out of one of our sister restaurants. So only on takeout platforms. And yeah, we started the early, early, early COVID. So beginning of 2020. And we saw some success there and decided to try our hand at a brick and mortar location. And the second part to Ghost is we use ghost peppers in our spice blend for our Nashville hot chicken. Nice. I'm a big fan. So how did you get into the biz? You say you've been in it for your whole life, but um, what does that mean? Walk me through the origin story. What was the radioactive spider? Yeah. So, I mean, like my, my family's been in restaurants, um, in the food service business for most of their life as well. And I started off washing dishes at one of like my dad's friend's restaurants. And I just kind of fell in love with the industry and never turned back. I was studying business in university. I wasn't really into it. I wanted something more hands-on. So, you know, I kind of left, went to culinary school and eventually finished my, my business degree. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like something about this industry that's just so infantic that I, I couldn't, I couldn't turn away from it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I know how it goes. Yeah. Um, so I, I have here that you were working for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. What is that? As a, a neighbor to the South, I have no clue what that is. <laughs> yeah. So MLSC is a, like, they pretty much own the Leafs, the Raptors, TFC. They're, they're like an entertainment brand with a huge like culinary division as well, obviously, in, in quick service. I worked out of the sports bar. I did, I did the catering for Real Sports Bar, which is arguably the largest uh, sports bar in, in North America, I guess, aside from a, a few in Las Vegas. But I'm not sure if you've heard of real sports, but they're, they're pretty large in size and, and volume and, and whatnot, right? So I was there for about six years, really good company to work for. But yeah, like, you know, like I said, it was kind of one of those jobs I, I could have stayed at and nice, co- nice corporate job. But like, I really wanted to try my hand at doing my own thing and kind of COVID really, really taught that for me. I, I wasn't, I wasn't too happy near the end of my time there and, and not for any part on MLSC is a great company, but it was just something in myself that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to try my hand at my own business. Nice. Why chicken? Yeah. Uh, so chicken is, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a good question, right? So, I mean, fried chicken itself is, is something that was like, when, when we started this, we wanted to kind of create something like it was the beginning of COVID. We wanted to create something that was like recession proof, pandemic proof. So, you know, we thought about fried chicken and it's one of those things that's, you can't really, it's less likely to replicate at home. 
I, I feel like the demand for fried chicken sandwiches, especially hot fried chicken sandwiches right now is, is crazy. It's probably going to stay hot for the next few years, but fried chicken itself hasn't gone out of style for a long time. And it seemed like for premium quick service, there wasn't really too many big players kind of in that market, right? There's a lot of quick service chicken guys, right? Like you have your Chick-fil-A's and, you know, KFC guys like that. But like in terms of like the premium element, when I say premium, like, you know, I kind of compare it to like your Shake Shacks, right? Like what they did for burgers and your five guys, we want to do for fried chicken sandwiches. I see. I see. I noticed also on your Instagram that uh, you are halal. Is that correct? Yeah. uh, All of our meat is 100% halal, which is, you know, a big part of our business up here in, uh, in Toronto. Like halal is, is very popular, you know, in terms of uh, culture, as well as just like the quality of the meat itself. Wow. That's great. I think anytime you can incorporate this inclusivity into your brand and your message and your image, it's good for you. And I have a ramen restaurant. Unfortunately, a lot of ramen is, is pork based, so it can't be yeah. halal. But we, you know, try and just be like a restaurant where as many people as possible can eat, you know, and if, if I could find halal beef in South Dakota where I live, I, I absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I 100% agree with that. Like inclusivity is definitely a big part of halal. Like, you know, obviously, like, it's not my religion and, and like, I respect it and I respect the, like the market for it as well. But like, honestly, just like the quality of the chicken itself, when it's produced, when it's hand slaughtered is, is superior. Right. And like, I feel like that gets kind of lost in the message of what halal actually is. Right. It's just a superior meat. It has less moisture because it's all like properly drained out. Right. So you, you get a higher yield. It tastes better. Right. So, you know, that's like one of our main, it is more expensive, but that's, you know, that's what, that's the decision we chose for, you know, being in the premium market. Right. Talk to me, you know, the, the premium fried chicken game is, is not huge yet. You know, you're the first person that I've met that is specializing in this. So talk to me about the transition of ghost kitchen, which has its pros and cons. And please talk about those. Yeah. Uh, into a physical lo- location, which I believe has more pros and cons. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a huge question, right? So like you know, operating virtually was great because like we were able to really gauge the market, and like at the time, like beginning of 2020, it was like when every, everyone was kind of dropping their fried chicken sandwich, like Popeyes released theirs, and like all the big players were out there doing their fried their their Nashville hot chicken sandwich. So we got to really gauge the market, you know, mind you, like it was a little bit, the numbers were skewed because it was the start of the pandemic. So everyone was ordering takeout anyways. But that being said, we were able to get like a lot of really good feedback on our product and, and kind of work on it. So without like the pressure of the overhead of having like a standalone restaurant. So, you know, that's kind of one of the things we pride ourselves on is like one of our differentiating factors is like high quality ingredients is one, but also like just like perfected processes because we had such a long go at it like working on it throughout throughout the pandemic virtually. And then kind of when we transitioned into a brick and mortar, we felt like our, our processes were so refined that we had like almost a proven concept with what we were selling. So it, you know, gave us a bit of confidence and, you know, mind you, like it's a, it's a different ball game when you're in, in the brick and mortar game. So, you know, there was a lot of challenges there, but um, you know, we're, we're in our second month pretty much after our grand opening. So we're still learning a lot, but yeah, we feel pretty good about where we are right now going into the summer. Are you having any uh, staffing issues? Oh yeah. A hundred percent, man. I, I, who isn't right. You know, it's yeah. one of like the, the main problems in, in many industries, especially the service industry is staffing. 
post-COVID, nobody wants to work in restaurants. And it's honestly like for a lot of it is the wages aren't aren't as competitive as they can be. Like, you know, people learned. I found that people that were working in restaurants for a long time learned throughout COVID that there's other ways to make money, make more money. Maybe, maybe they weren't super passionate about the industry. Right. So, you know, you lost a lot of people in that sense, but yeah, when you find someone good, you hold on to them and you treat them well. And it's, it's a constant challenge because, you know, as you know, like margins in a restaurant are, are, are small enough and, you know, with inflation and food prices, they're only, they're only shrinking more. So offering fair wages is something that we, we do pride ourselves on, like within, within the reason of, you know, our operation, but it's definitely a big challenge. I understand that. <laughs> Talking about challenges, when I opened my ramen shop, and I'm just speaking from my personal experience, we had some online delivery services. And day one, minute one, that thing started chattering at me. And I was like, talk to my wife, because it was just she and I totally in the weeds. I was yeah. like, turn that thing off. I'm not going to be barked at by, by an iPad. If people want to have the food, they can come down here and get it. And they can see that it's me in the weeds and that mm. I'm a, a human being and I'm getting burned and I'm splashing hot ramen broth on me. And I found that the human element kind of forced people, it removes some anonymity. You know, it's like when you get a troll on your Instagram or something like that, they're yeah. anonymous. You don't know them. They don't know you, but they're just being negative. So when you were running the ghost kitchen, do you find that people were more critical or less critical now that you're in person? So like when we were in the ghost kitchen, like we were in Mississauga, which is like an entirely different market than Toronto for a lot of reasons. Right. So like it was very critical and like, you know, but as I mentioned earlier, like we, we kind of embraced it because you got a lot of the worst feedback, like out of the way, you know, like yeah. we, we heard it all right away. So, and yeah, I know I, I feel you like it, it's tough. Like when you put your heart and soul into something and somebody just, you know, they tear you apart for, you know, some, and a lot of the times with the platforms, it's for reasons that are outside of your control, like delivery times and cold and soggy and things like that. It's, it's very difficult to operate in that sense. But, you know, us being in the, in the fast food quick service game, like, you know, we took the time to kind of like master our product. So like it, it travels well. And like, that's like, that's part of our business. And like, even now currently not being in a, in a ghost kitchen, like those platforms are still last month, they were 40% of our revenue. So it's, it's pretty, it's significantly higher. And like, that's one thing I was actually talking to my partners about yesterday is I've noticed, you know, post COVID, a lot of people, they're so used to that way of ordering food. You know, you mentioned taking the human element out of it. People are kind of, you know, they're outside, but it's, they've learned that it's so much easier to go on Uber and place an order for pickup or ritual. I don't know if you guys do ritual down there, but it's pretty much just like Uber, but pickup only. But as opposed to coming into the store, like they place it on the app or calling in ahead, they place it on the app just because our phones are glued to us. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's part of the business. It's just one of those things like that are outside of your control and you just have to manage it. Yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. How has uh, the dining experience been received? You know, how are, how are people like when they walk in? Are, are they pumped? Are they excited? Or, you yeah, know, absolutely. It, yeah, like we're in a pretty competitive spot of Toronto, like in the West End on Ossington Strip. So I'm not sure if you've been down there before, but there's a lot of big players there. So the standards are pretty high. So like the people that we serve in the neighborhood, yeah, they're, they're definitely hyped up. Like I think we have a pretty cool looking spot. So, you know, a lot of different opportunities for Instagrammable moments, right? So, but yeah, like for the most part, people are, are definitely hyped up. Like when they come in, they're ready to, 
they're ready to chill, they're ready to eat, have a good time. So and that's super encouraging. And I hope that kind of continues on, but you know, like the virtual element of it, like I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. So it's just about, you know, managing it. Yeah. Yeah. Where this is kind of a twofold question. Where do you see yourself in say five years, which I think is the uh, make or break like point for a restaurant. Like if you make it five years, you're good to go. So one, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see the restaurant in five years? And given that, you know, you're kind of doing one thing, chicken and doing it yeah. well, it would seem. How are you going to evolve? Yeah, I mean, five years, like we have pretty ambitious goals. I think a lot of restaurateurs do. You know, we we got into this business like with the hopes of expanding rapidly. You know, there's obviously been some setbacks, but like any business, but like we still hope to see ourselves in five years across borders uh, and definitely across Canada, right? So uh, what that number looks like, it's hard to say, maybe 50 stores, right? I mean, super, super ambitious numbers, but we set this up to grow. We want it to, you know, see different markets, not just Toronto. Obviously, we want, we want to evolve within Toronto, but we feel like there's such a, a such a good opportunity with this market specifically to, to get it out there fast, right? So yeah, I guess that would be the five-year goal and like, you know, how we plan on evolving. You know, right now, at this moment... It's kind of hard to say that like when you're early in business, you can't get distracted by like the shiny things and you have got to focus on what you're doing and what you're doing well. If when we do launch new products, which we have a few on the go, like they're going to be well thought out, well planned. They have to fit within our vision, right? So, you know, like we are going to stay within chicken, but you know, there's a lot of other opportunities like with sides and desserts and things like that. So like, you know, milkshake softs or that kind of thing, right? Like you can evolve in that sense, but you know, at that time, like we just want to focus on chicken and then, you know, when something happens that fits within our vision, then we'll, we'll, you know, consider it, I guess. Right. Right. Nice. What separates you aside from, you know, halal and ghost peppers Mm -hmm. uh, and this kind of story of going from uh, ghost kitchen to brick and mortar? What separates you and your process and your company's vibe from everyone else? Yeah, it's a good question, right? I think it's a really important question because there's a lot of really good players in this market right now. And there's a lot of really good fried chicken sandwiches out there. And like, I, I, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't want to go around and say my product's the best. And I, I'm not that kind of guy, right? But like at the end of the day, we're a group of like pretty cool dudes, like just trying to fry some chicken that work that have like this insane work ethic to perfect every single little process. And I think that right there is, is what separates us from the rest because like, you know, as you know, fried chicken is relatively simple, but there's so many little um, nuances within the processes that if you really, really dial down into them, you can make your product like, you know, far superior. Right. And I feel like that's how we're moving right now. That's what we've been doing so far. And we're going to continue to do that. So if I had to narrow it down to one thing, like, I don't know if that's a cop-out answer, but it's, it's definitely the processes, right? Cause right. like, you know, even if you compare it to like um, barbecue, there's, it's so simple, but like also so complicated at the same time. Yeah. I, I think yeah. anyone who says making fried chicken is simple is probably making bad fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, guess from the outside looking in, like there's not much to it, but you know, even, even, I mean, even executing it, like there's, there's very few ingredients. But it's like, you really like focusing on, on very simple cooking techniques, right? And like, you know, you kind of have to like revert back to your roots and like think about every little thing, like time, temperature, holds, quality of ingredients, 
things like that. So how do you feel about, I would say in the past 15 years, vegetarian substitutes have gotten exponentially better. How do you feel? Are you at all threatened by the idea of, of the exploration of vegetarian alternatives? No, not, not at all. I, I think that's the way the world's going. I, I feel like people are always going to need to eat chicken and eat meat. I mean, as much as the market is for vegetarian substitutes is, is, is booming right now, and there's a lot of really good products on there. Like, we don't even have a vegetarian option on our menu right now. I know like we've, we've gotten some pushback from that. We have, we have a couple ideas that we're ready to roll out in a bit, but at the time, like, you know, like I was saying earlier, we're just really focused on this one thing that we're doing. Right. And like, that's the thing with any business, right. It's like, you can't, you can't please everybody. Right. No matter uh, as hard as if you try to please everyone, then you're going to go nowhere. Right. So, you know, just understanding who your target market is and, and kind of like hammering down on that. So it, it, it doesn't really threaten us in any way, but at the same time, like it's part of the world and we will adapt to that. Got it. Yeah. So just a few more questions for you. So I know that you said you, you come from a family of restaurateurs. What was that like? Uh, it's not really restaurateurs. It's like, you know, like my dad was a, a food supplier for his, his whole life. Um, cool. uh, a broker, he sold fish, seafood, chicken, currently sells chicken. My dad actually supplies all the chicken to my restaurant right now. So helpful. Yeah. Oh, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. We worked on it together for, for a while, right? The, getting the spec down and everything. So it was okay. You know, he was traveling a lot, but um, it was fun. Like when I was really young, because I got to eat things that my friends didn't get to eat. So I got to eat all these different types of seafood, like as samples. That was pretty fun. And then, you know, working in restaurants was, was fun as well. I got pretty used to sacrificing weekends at an early age. So like that was never an issue for me. But yeah, I mean, like it's kind of who I am. I, I wouldn't say I want to do anything else, right? Like I love food service. I love this business. I love customer service. And, you know, this is kind of, I've, I've, I've never been happier, right? So and so on that note, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into the industry? Yeah, I mean, especially if you're, it depends on where you're looking to get into, right? But if you're looking, especially if you're looking to like open your own thing or run a business, I would say like just, there's so many things out there that are outside of your control. There's so many, like I mentioned a few times, there's so many shiny objects that could distract you from what you're supposed to be doing, what you want to be doing. So just really focus on what you can control. Like everyone has a sphere of influence and, you know, if it's outside of your sphere of influence, then don't try to control it because you're going to drive yourself nuts, but just manage it. And if you're not looking to open a business and you're just looking to get into the industry, you have to love it. you got to put your head down. you got to do the work like any industry, but you know, it's, it's thankless at times. You have to, you have to love it. And if you don't love it, you have to part ways because it's, it's tough. Right. So, I mean, I don't want to be too blunt to people that are aspiring to be in this industry, but like, that's just the reality of it. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will catch you on the next one. Ghost Chicken is located at 74 Ossington Avenue in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. For more information, visit ghostchicken.ca today.